Hey guys, welcome to the It's Not a Small World After All podcast. Today we're going to be interviewing Lorne on South Africa. South Africa is a country located at the southern tip of Africa. It is bordered by Namibia, Botswana, and Zimbabwe to north, Swaziland and Mozambique to northeast, the country of Lesotho, which is completely within South Africa, the Atlantic Ocean to the south and west, and the Indian Ocean to the south and east. South Africa has many climate regions, ranging from desert in the west to oceanic along the coast to highland in the central regions. South Africa has a population of around 57 million people. Most of the population is of various African ethnicities. The main languages spoken are English, Afrikaans, Zulu, and Kosa. There are three capitals of South Africa, Pretoria, which is the capital of the executive, Bloemfontein, the capital of the judiciary, and Cape Town, the capital of the legislature. The largest city is Johannesburg, with a population of 4.43 million people. The majority of the population is Protestant. South Africa has the second largest economy in Africa. The country's economy is diverse and fairly well developed. Unemployment and income inequality remain major issues, however. Hello, I am Mia. Hello, I'm Niall. And we're from It's Not a Small World After All. And today we're interviewing Lauren, who is from South Africa and has lived in South Africa. Hello. So, Lauren, how long have you lived in South Africa? Uh, I was there for seven years. I moved there in 2011, on January 21st, I think. Yeah. How was living in South Africa different from living in America? Give characteristics on how life in South Africa is different from life in America. Well, I could talk about this for a while, but um, I'll do it with the most clear things. So, the first biggest difference between here and South Africa is the altitude. Because here we're at sea level, roughly. But in South Africa, it's one of the highest metropolitans in the world. Which means it's extremely hard to breathe sometimes. It never rains nearly as much. And, like, you never get fog. And the only places you get fog is close to the oceans. Um, another difference is just purely, like, people's attitude towards things and people's interaction with people. Because, because America is so big, some people don't really think about leaving America. But in South Africa, it's the opposite. Everybody wants to leave because most people see South Africa as being a dead end or you're never going to change. Um, so yeah, that's the other couple. What are popular pastimes in South Africa? Um, the biggest one, most of them happen to be sports, and the biggest one there is cricket and rugby, which are two very English European sports. Like I had never heard of cricket until I got there, and people played it all the time. Like we played it um, during break, which is what they called recess, and rugby was just it was the equivalent of football. People would like come out, come over to the house. People would just be screaming their heads off, and it's just one of the most terrifying sports to watch. It's like watching gorillas run into each other. It's terrifying. Well, what are some other pastimes that are popular in South Africa other than sports? Hmm. Well, huh. there was this thing called a braai, B-R-A-A-I. It's very weird. It's like a barbecue, except most of the time they really don't use sauce. Um, hmm. I can't think of anything else I could say. But most of the time, they just do things, the same things that people do around here. It's like, you know, go on social media, 
mm-hmm. and talk to their friends. And a lot of a lot of people can just talk to each other on the side of the road, but it's never in English because English is kind of seen as the work language, and Zulu or Kosa those are actually those are seen as kind of like the casual languages that you talk to each other. When you said football, do you mean American football or do you mean like soccer? Oh, when I was saying football, I meant it, I was it was I was comparing rugby to American football because mm-hmm. um, rugby is pretty much um, American football except there's no pads and and when you get tackled, you don't have to stop; you keep going. So yeah. What was your childhood like in South Africa? Oof, um, it was it was really hard. Um, because I was only seven when I moved there, which meant that everything was kind of different for me. It felt all the time. Um, I always wanted to come back, but when I actually came back, it was, it was weird. But, um, I was always seen as the weird American kid. People expected me to be rich all the time. Uh, people made fun of me for the way I talked. Um, some of my closest friends were also people that had lots of change in their life. Like one of my closest friends, Thomas. He had moved, and his parents were also divorced, just like mine. Um, another thing is that I had to get used to being in a place where you were always different. People, whenever you talked or spoke in any way, everybody would turn and look at you. And sometimes that was a good thing, sometimes that was a bad thing. Um, but for my mom, I know it really helped her because she was she was like kind of like a businesswoman, which meant people had to listen to her. Um, it was also hard, not really, cause, because we used to move like once every, every one or two years, um, there's, there's lots of, um, different places I have to live. Uh, I never really had a single place I could count as, oh, I know this place like the back of my hand. Um, so yeah, that was my childhood in South Africa. Lots of change. How was your childhood in South Africa different from your current life in America? For me, I've all, I was born here. Yeah. It's been pretty casual for me, besides some of the racism that's been going on. It's kind of been worrying me. Yeah. yeah. So, but how is it different for you? Well, in South Africa, there wasn't any family around here. There is. Um, another thing, one of the biggest things I noticed, which is, which was really surreal, was when um, I walked in through the border and I realized, well, I walked in through the terminal. And I realized that Donald Trump is the president here. Um, but living here, it's been it's been hard because you're not really people don't look like like I said earlier. People look at you when you talk here. You're just another person. Yeah. And another thing is that I know it sounds really weird, but everything works <laughs> because like in some place in some places in South Africa, there's there's this stuff called load shedding, which is basically when the power in your house would go out. Sometimes, most of the time, it go out from like. 8 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning. But sometimes it could go out for days and you wouldn't know when it would come back on. Sometimes they did, like, put out on newspapers, like, when it was going to, the power was going to come back on. But most of the times it was just off randomly. I actually got trapped at my house alone when I was, like, 8 or 9 because the power went out. And that was scary. But, um, huh. What was your educational experience life like, I mean, in South Africa? Well... It was, it was extremely different from America. Um, when I first got there, they were teaching stuff I had learned. I got there in the second grade, and they were teaching uh, the kids stuff I had already learned in, the, in like, um, kindergarten or first grade. So I didn't, when I first moved there, the education was very simple. But 
it was interesting because when they used to teach about stuff like World War Two and um, country, your, your country's history, they didn't talk about the Civil War. Um, and when they talked about World War One and Two, they talked about it from the whole point because South Africa wasn't a big player like America was. It was just somebody that watched from the side. So when we learned about that. It was more on the British side because South Africa used to be a British colony. So we learned. I learned a lot of different stuff compared, and compared to the stuff they teach here. But unfortunately, some of the stuff was um, a bit um, below the standards. A lot of the classrooms we had there, them all the chairs were like covered in marks and like pencils, and like some of them are a lot really old. But we learned to live with it. It was it was we still had a lot of fun in class and. We did get in trouble like everybody else, uh, but the education was mostly um, focused on history, like Shaka Zulu. Um, and actually, America actually knows some stuff about Shaka Zulu because he was he was basically a, a chieftain during in, in I'm not sure when I think I want I want to say like the 1800s, 1700s, and he basically had an amazing strategy where he managed to beat the British at, in their own game and outmaneuvered them and his tactics were so revolutionary that the US the US army like studies studies what he used to do. So, yeah. Well what were striking differences between your educational experience in South Africa and your current educational experience here in America? Well here everything is new. Like the it's like it's just small stuff like the chairs, the tables and all that sort of stuff. Um there's also no uniforms, like because in South Africa there was strict uniforms. Like I'll give you one of my most um, my most extreme examples, which was I went to this school when I was when I was in the eighth grade called Parktown Boys, and that was a public school, but you still have to pay for public school education in South Africa. But the uniform was you had to wear black shoes, gray socks, gray pants that came all the way down, a black belt. Um, you had to wear the blazer, which was black and had red trimming. It had to have red or else it didn't count. You had to have cufflings on your arms. You had to have a black and red tie. And your shirt had to be tucked in. And your hair had to be a certain length. And that's, that, was, that was inspected regularly. Um, we had these, the, gra the 12th graders were called matrix. And they were equivalent teachers. They're the equivalent to teachers, except they could physically punish you. By that I mean, like you could, they could yell at you to do push-ups when they wanted you to. They could push you around because it's, it's this idea of being quote manly and like this really, this really um, pushing to be male and masculine. This whole thing, but yeah, and there's also, especially when I was really young, for some reason teachers took it very seriously. It wasn't it wasn't as strict because I went to a different school, but it, it was just like you had to tuck it in your shirt and you had to wear um, dress shoes. But their uniforms are very strict in South Africa. What was your education like at Parktown Boys? <sighs> at Parktown Boys, it was I was not I was not there for that long. But um, we learned Zulu, which is one of the most most. It was actually a language spoken more than English, and we learned what was another one. We learned um, also Afrikaans, which is another language. Um, they, that they really pushed because it's kind of, I know it seems sad, but um, the extremely racist times didn't end in the 50s or the 70s or in like America. They actually ended like in 1994, which meant that racism was still very apparent, which meant that Afrikaans was the white language. 
and do the black language. Um, but the education was all about forcing it into your mind, and if you didn't get it, too bad. There's nothing we can do. Just work harder. You'll get it eventually. Was it a very rigorous school? Yes, yes. We had um, these days where basically everybody had to come out and watch um, the high school rugby team play. And these weren't small events. These were like hundreds of people who come. And we had to stand on the sidelines. We had chants that we had to do. We had to link arms. Those were very fun. That's one of the things I miss about um, Parktown. But there was also this thing called, um, it was just called a camp. It was said you're going on a camp with some of the other boys to get to know each other. But what ended up happening was we went out to this camp and we were essentially drilled to hate the matrix. That was their, that was their goal. Because we got there expecting to have fun, but in reality, we were doing obstacle courses well past exhaustion. We were swimming through extremely deep um, swamps and ponds, even if people didn't know how to swim. They were told to like grab onto a string because it got string across. And one of the strongest memories I have is us all doing push-ups at 11 at night, and I had an asthma attack during while doing this, and that's the only reason I got to break. Another kid had a heart, there's something wrong with his heart, and he also had got to stop. And like, one of the it was scary because like, one of them told us, one of them said in passing, yeah, they're killing us. We weren't actually dying, but that's what it felt like, because you're being mentally strained, because you weren't allowed, we went to bed at like 12 o'clock, and we were woken up at 4 a.m. Jeez. Yeah, I know, it was, it was rough. Yeah. How was this compared to life at Academia of the Oaks and life at your previous school before you went to Parktown Boys? Oh, um, <laughs> both are very soft in comparison. Um, there's no constant, there's no constant stress in the back of your head. Um, you can act and you can talk to your teachers casually because in Parktown you have to teach, talk to them like they're essentially the president. Sir, ma'am, yes ma'am, yes sir. And if you said, if you did not say sir or ma'am, they, you would get detention or something similar. But here it's very calm. You can treat, you, you have to te- you treat the teachers with respect, but there's no fear of disrespecting them. Because, and even if, and you don't disrespect the teachers here because they're your teachers, you know? So you can feel more casual with your teachers. You don't feel pressured or stressed by them because a lot, a lot of teachers used a fear tactic in their teaching. There's one guy, um, he had tat- covered in tattoos, tattoos on his fists, and he would like threaten to punch you across the face. And he was an art teacher, too. So he was like, he used to say like stuff. He had he had these tattoo um, Chinese writings on his fingers, and he said, "If you don't do what I tell you, I'm gonna make you speak Chinese." See what things go punch you in the face. I don't know if he actually was gonna do it, but uh, it was um, it was pretty terrifying. Okay, what is higher education generally like in South America, Africa? I'm talking about like universities and college in America. You know, it's very high standards you have to apply it's very hard sometimes but what's it like in south africa in in south africa if you if you go to university there's no chance of dropping out you don't drop out you have to get all the way through because universities are so expensive that because these families because there's still this huge black tax that it's not it's not an actual thing but it's equivalent which basically i'll explain it real quick um in, um, during apartheid, which only ended in 1994, I'll remind you, um, all black people were pushed out like two hours, three hours outside of the city. And when ki- when parents go to work, they earn money in the city, which means they have to drive four hours out. But nobody has a car. 
So all the money that they earn goes to transport. And then that forces them to be poor. So when these kids go to university, their parents have been working for years, like their entire life, trying to get their kids to get a better education because they know that's one of the only ways that they can escape this cycle. So when you go to university, it's very, you have to finish. Um, the education is very good. It's very, it's very top notch. Um, <clears throat> and they always in, um, there's one of the biggest universities called, is called Vitz. Um, it has everything you'd expect in a college. It has sports fields. It has, um, its own, um, observatory for, um, astro I don't know if they actually start study astrology, but, astronomy. um, astronomy, there you go, sorry. Astronomy, uh, they also have labs everywhere. Like, that's a huge thing, because, like, they have, um, basically what happened was there's this huge hospital that closed down. Yeah? What? Um, moving on now. In South Africa, how often were you exposed to other cultures? All the time. It was constant. You never want a day without hearing a different language. And in passing, people would tell you, compare, like, We'd compare what we considered normal, which is fun. Um, and because there are twelve official languages in South Africa, it was you were people were always talking about different cultures. It, I've been to a couple weddings that were very amazing um, because they're just a completely different attitude towards weddings. Mm -hmm. But and they're much more hmm, dan more uplifting, you know. Okay. In America, it is also very diverse. Mm. How diverse do you think South Africa is? Did you grow up in a diverse environment? Well, unfortunately, um, not so much. Uh, there was there was always black kids and white kids and another race called colored, and I'll, I'll talk about that later if I could. I don't think I can. Um, but um, unfortunately, it was split into black people being mostly poor or middle class and white people being upper class or middle class. But um, there were, most, most of my younger childhood was spent with a very diverse crowd. America is also very diverse. And I think Atlanta can be fairly diverse. Yeah, place. I think it so. Varies. Definitely, definitely. What are some aspects of American life that you found to be very different from South Africa life when you came back to America? It's mostly just food. Because food here, it's very, it's cheap, first of all, and it's, it feels like there's only two flavors here, salty and sweet, <laughs> and that's constant. That was one of the biggest shockers that really got me. Um, yeah. Did you find that there are things that seemed normal in South Africa but seemed to be, you know, abnormal in America? Uh, yes, yes. Um, language, definitely, because... Um, because there's so many different languages in South Africa, people not being able to understand or people having to learn a different language was much more pushed. And now it was normal for people to know two or three or maybe even four languages. But here it's very rare to see somebody that even speaks two because everybody speaks English. Are there any aspects of life that you miss about South Africa? Definitely. Um, it did not get this cold in South Africa ever. Um there's also the fact that there are some, some days in South Africa, there'd just be, especially during like summer or spring, there'd just be days where the sky was just blue and there was not a cloud to be seen. And, and there's also um, the fact that because Atlanta is a forest, you never really get to see a sunset because it's, you just see it through the trees. 
but in South Africa, there's rocks and just like you can always see the horizon. So that I really miss seeing sunsets in South Africa. What holidays are commonly celebrated in South Africa? Well, most um, most holidays in South Africa are involve revolutions that happened or big um, uh, big big shows of revolution during the apartheid. So um, one of the most famous and well known is called Youth Day which is a day where they celebrate the Soweto Uprising, which is just a huge protest that ended with um, lots of young people being killed. So we celebrate that. And then there's also Diwali, which is uh, a Muslim, which is a Muslim um, holiday. And it's much wide, much more broader celebrated yeah. because there's much, uh, much larger um, Muslim population in South Africa. Are there any differences and similarities you find in African holidays to American holidays? Because in America, we have holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas. What are some similarities and differences you find when it comes to African holidays? Hmm. Well, in South Africa, we don't have Thanksgiving, but Christmas is treated as such. Yeah. That's where everybody gets all the food together, and that's where people talk to all the grandmothers to get all the food together, and it's... That's Christmas is basically our Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. How do you think that living in South Africa has shaped you, especially to this day? Well, I was very lucky to live in South Africa because it helped me look at the world not just from um, as an American looking out. It kind of I don't I kind of see. I feel like I just got a broader scope of things. I got to see more because I ha- I was kind of forced into a life I didn't recognize which allowed me to get comfortable with the idea of moving and change and leaving the country because I met lots of people that are scared to leave the country or they've lived in America their entire lives and have no, they say, no, I'm not leaving America. But by living in South Africa, I was given a chance to see what it's like outside of the country. And that helped, that helped, that changed me a lot. Lauren, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now we are closing out this episode of it's not a small world after all have a great day thanks guys for tuning in to this episode of it's not a small world after all and we'll see you on thursday for the next episode